Welcome to the Authentic Deb Podcast. I'm Debbie, and I'm your host for All Things Authentic. This podcast exists to bring people just like yourself from all over the world to share our stories, laugh at ourselves, and encourage each other along the way. Get ready to laugh, cry, and be empowered, but most of all, to be you, because being you is enough. Well, thanks for joining another episode of the Authentic Dead Podcast. Today, I have Pastor Doug Sewell with me, and we're going to talk about Can You Pray the Gay Away, which is another uh, installment of the series we are doing, a really important issue. I've known Doug for, I want to say, close to 20 years about 13 years. I think we met in 2007 at Dale Jarrett's church. Oh, okay. Well, see, you know. I don't think we met in 2001 when it first got cooked up with Rand. I think we didn't meet till 2007. Oh, okay. Well, see, Doug knows, and uh, Debbie's only on her second cup of coffee, and that's my excuse. So, uh, for without further ado, Doug, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you're about, and we'll jump right into today's subject. Okay, I'm Pastor Doug Sewell, as Debbie said. I live right now in Youngstown, Ohio. I've been here all my adult life. Uh, I've been a pastor for a little over 10 years and a Bible teacher for well over 20. actually started teaching Bible in the late 70s and started going to schools then. But uh, I took some detours, and we're going to probably talk about that over the course of this discussion. Well, yeah, we all take uh, detours, that's for sure. Now, uh, yeah, you, you're you a pastor, so did you grow up in a particular faith, or did you come into a, a faith in Christ at a later time in your life? My parents raised me in church. Uh, we attended various denominations and churches, because my dad, we moved a couple of times. Uh, we attended a Lutheran church. My dad was Lutheran, and my mom was Methodist. Okay. So we attended a Lutheran church uh, up until about fourth grade. When we moved to central Pennsylvania and attended a Brethren church for a few years, and then we attended a Methodist church when we moved to Ohio, uh, had a good pastor, and uh, and it was real close to the home. I could even walk there. And, uh, but the gospel message didn't quite sink in. I figured out I was gay when I was 13, but, uh, it was a friend's conversion in about the time I was 16 and noticing that it actually made a change that I asked him some questions, uh, probably about an hour, uh, not an hour, about a month after my 17th birthday, uh, and I, I had a chance where I could ask him some questions and uh, find out uh, what was going on with him. And uh, I came to Christ during that time frame, and I got involved in the charismatic. This was during the charismatic movement in the right. mid-70s. So I was attending spirit-filled churches and later Word of Faith Church. And I developed a real love for the world. I was listening to Kenneth Hagin and Kenneth Copeland every day on the radio. And uh, I actually went to see them uh, a couple of times in person. But I developed a love for the word back then. So I had a love-hate fair with being gay at the same time. That's what I was going to ask. So when 
did you know right away since you said that you you knew that uh you were gay or or different at the very least at 13 and then you you came you came into a relationship with christ and i think it was important that you said which is probably for a different podcast but did you notice a change in your friend so that's probably a rabbit trail podcast somewhere else as far as what people need what people see in us that causes them to ask questions but for mm-hmm. the sake of this topic uh, especially getting into the charismatic movement and word of faith and all of that which are really you know pretty stringent about those boxed in beliefs about uh, you know people with uh, sexual orientation same sex how did you especially as a young man because you were still pretty young what was going through your head what what how did it affect you or did it affect you well, I largely stayed closeted. There were very few people that I actually told about it. A couple of close friends, like one of my college buddies, uh, Rich, actually uh, have reconnected with him over the years by way of Facebook. But I had this love and hate affair with being gay from the time I came to Christ up through probably about the mid-80s. Now, interesting, the first week I was at college, some friends of mine from church wanted me to get involved in InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And it was a good organization at the time. It probably still is, although they've taken a strong anti-gay stance the last few years. But I went to the InterVarsity meeting one day, and then the next day I ended up somehow in a casual encounter with someone. And at the end of that encounter, I says, yeah, I feel really guilty about this because I'm a Christian. I don't feel like I should be doing this. And this guy, his name was Bill. He says to me, I know, I saw you at the InterVarsity meeting yesterday. So you were in a sexual encounter or just a mentally, emotionally? No, no, this, this, is, this is a one-off sexual encounter. Oh, a one-off sexual encounter. Yeah, okay. So, so, and so, so he was a Christian was, as well. Uh, yes, yeah, he was, and, and we became good friends on a non-intimate basis. Uh, we both uh, talked about, you know, trying to not be gay and various things. We went down to one of the big full gospel churches in the area and got hands laid on us. That didn't work. Oh, okay. Uh, he got married. That didn't work. But anyway, uh, and we actually recently reconnected together on Facebook also. I think that's so what I you was, told me about. You just reconnected, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So up until the, probably from the uh, late 70s, well, 77 when I started college through till probably about 84 or so, I was uh, I was somewhat promiscuous. Uh, I, would, you know, I would go out Saturday nights and uh, somehow make it home and make it to church Sunday morning. The one thing that really helped me, though, was I never started drinking. Yeah. I, I just I just decided in my teens that that would just make my life all the more complicated after watching some of my friends. So I never started drinking. So that, that was one thing that helped me out. But around about 84 or so, I had some unpleasant experiences that pushed me from that, that eh, back and forth, gay, Christian, gay, Christian, gay, Christian thing, uh, you know, Saturday night party, Sunday morning church, you know, and I was in the church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, uh, and, that, and then I had some unpleasant experiences that kind of pushed me into a don't want to be gay phase. Okay. And did you, let me ask a question to uh, back up for a second. Um, and I don't want to stereotype gay men or just men in general. You know, a lot of times people talk about 
gay men being promiscuous or gay people being promiscuous. And I'm like, um, hello, people are promiscuous. Uh, women are promiscuous, men are promiscuous, straight, gay, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But uh, gay men kind of get the bum rush on that. Uh, when you were out just, you know, in those experiences, were you, did you experience, like, were you actually, when you went to church the next day, were you, were you, uh, I guess, was there inner conflict in terms of God being angry with you or anything like that? Um, I know that I went through a, a lot of different phases in, in my mind. And were you ever angry with God? I was angry with God at the time. Once I got to that don't want to be gay phase, it's like, you know, how did you let this happen? But I usually dealt with the conflict on the way home, however I was, because I spent a lot of time in Akron, which is about 45, 50 minutes from here. And so I would usually try to deal with most of that on the way driving home uh, or driving to the church Sunday morning because the church that I was attending was anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes away. So depending on which church or what time, ask for so forgiveness? I, I would pray in that and I would just, you know, you know, you know. You know, I'm, but uh, for me, the promiscuity was just because I was looking for self-acceptance. Okay. Uh, the frequency and the type of person that I hooked up with was something, was a substitute for my own self-esteem. Okay. And so, 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 so more conquests, et cetera, gave me a boost. So the, was the, the conquest and the self-esteem not necessarily tied to your orientation, but just, just a, a struggle that maybe we all go through with self-esteem and you just, it, or was it tied into your struggle with God? You know what I'm saying? Like we, like you said, you don't drink, you didn't drink. Um, I like to have a drink every now and then, but I've seen so many people substitute alcohol for whatever else or drugs or for me food i'm still dealing with that you know the emotional eating so was was the conquest about the orientation or just about general stuff that you were your own demons inside that you were dealing with i don't know if i had no. been straight i probably would have been married okay and hopefully in a sexually active relationship although you know if kids come in along the way and that. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's very enlightening to be the only person sober in a bar. Yes. <laughs> that, 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 that was an interesting experience. I learned that someone that's very friendly towards me because they're drunk is not going to be fun for me. But anyway. Right. So I had this time, like I says, that I got into this don't want to be gay phase. Okay. And that, during that time, that was probably... 85 or so up till mid 89 during that time i attended two exodus conferences okay one in nyack new york which was uh, about uh, 45 minutes north of new york city proper uh, i met one of the village people there yeah hey let me let me uh cut in just for our listeners uh not all list not all of our listeners are um or, or gay or lesbian. So just real quick, tell our other listeners what exactly the Exodus Conference is, just in a, in a nutshell. Okay. Exodus was an organization, largely Christian-oriented, uh, focused on helping people stop being gay. And since I was in this don't want to be gay phase, I was, uh, I 
attend. There were no local Exodus organizations. That's probably fortunate for me. Uh, but there were the Exodus conference. I went to one in the one in Nyack, New York, and then I went to the following one, which was probably '87. Uh, was '86 and '87, and that one was in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. And it's interesting because of the people that I actually met that were in ex-gay ministry back then, none of them but one are still involved in that now. I was going to say, it sounds like a giant hookup place because you got well, a bunch of gay men and women trying to be straight and they're not. There was probably about 200, maybe 200 of us there. And some of them were well-meaning straight folk. Other, many of them were people that claimed to be ex-gay. The only one that's actively involved in that kind of ministry now that I know of is Annie Comiskey. He's actually gotten involved in Restored Hope Network, which is the successor to Exodus, as much more aggressive. Oh wow! Uh, so, did you do any shock therapy, or what kind of what kind of during that phase when you were um, trying to not be gay, and then dealing with, uh, if I remember you saying right, this is when you were angry with God. What what kind of things did you deal with internally or externally in terms of? trying to pray the gay away. Okay, well, at this point, since I was trying to not be gay, I was pretty much no longer angry with God at that point. I was just busy trying to please him. And I managed uh, probably close to five years of celibacy. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, uh, although we had no local exodus organizations, there was a step program called Homosexuals Anonymous. Oh, my God. It was <laughs> yes, it was kind of like uh, AA. The right. step there were fourteen steps instead of twelve, and it uh, the steps were much more explicitly Christian than the AA steps were. Uh, but uh, I got involved and actually hosted the uh, hosted a local group meeting for several of those years in my apartment. Uh, you know, I was really all in on trying not to be gay. Right. Yeah. You know. Uh, that group wound down for various reasons, and <laughs> I was involved in church. I was I've gone to started attending uh, Bible school classes at the church I was going to pretty regularly, getting a, getting a good Bible education. I had given my testimony for the singles group of the healed gay man. Oh, how, how, how yeah, <laughs> with uh, air quotes, about, audience. Yeah, air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. <laughs> yes, healed gay man. So. But uh, about a year, year and a half later, I want to say early to mid-89, a couple of things happened in that church, and a couple of things happened in my life, and it w I, I really admitted to myself that I couldn't not be gay. What a I couldn't not be gay. And so what I ended up doing was I ended up moving to the other side of town, getting an apartment the other side of town so I could make an excuse to start attending a different church. Okay. Uh, you know, I no, long, no longer was on the worship. You know, since I moved away, I, 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 I had been on the worship team and that, but I, but I decided, you know, if I'm not going to be gay, I'm going to just kind of retreat from this. So, so you did know, you retreat I, from God? Because I know I did. Yes. Okay. Yes, I did. I I stopped attending church, and obviously I wasn't, since I wasn't at the same church, I wasn't on the worship team, and uh, various things. So I went through about a five-year period, mid-89 till uh, probably late 94, 
where I attended one church service. I was at an MCC, and that particular MCC was quite underwhelming. And it was an <laughs> yeah. hour and a half away. Yeah, it can be. So I... Uh, no reason to go back. So I, 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 I didn't go back. But, uh, but then, round about uh, early November or so, I heard rumors of a local gay-pastored, gay-friendly church starting in uh, Warren, which is the next city over from mm-hmm. where I live in Youngstown. And uh, I heard about it, and I discreetly asked some questions about where they're meeting and that. And so Christmas Eve, 1994, I went to All Saints Community Church. I knew one or two, maybe three people there. At this time, the church was made up of people that had attended Reverend Tom's church that he was ousted from, or people that had attended the Catholic parish that Steve, uh, Tom's husband, and the music director, he had been ousted too. And so they started a church together, and I went Christmas Eve, and I liked it. So I went back to the next regular service, which was actually on New Year's Day. They didn't hold Christmas Eve was a Saturday. They didn't hold a Christmas Sunday service on Sunday. But the next week, uh, New Year's Day, they had a service, and I went back. And what was interesting was, you know, I had been in all the evangelical, you know, they talk about charismatic liturgy, you know, three fast songs, three slow songs, right. <laughs> uh, prayer, offering, sermon, altar call. Well, I I was accustomed to, before that, the Methodist church that I attended, it went parents Methodist church, followed a more, the more traditional liturgy, where you have a reading, a song, a second reading, another song, a gospel reading, and sermon. Uh, and, you know, you do things like say the Apostles' Creed, say the Lord's Prayer, and, you know, and things like that. And so I was familiar with a liturgy service, but I hadn't attended one for years. And that's what kind of service All Saints had was a liturgy service. The it thing felt that familiar. Impressed, yeah, it was familiar. And the thing that really impressed me about it is I could see that it was really about Jesus. Tom and Steve and the people that were there were there because of Jesus. It was not a gay social organization with religious wrappings. Right. It was a real functional, intentional church. So let me ask a question. That's awesome. So did you, during your time away before you, uh, and All Saints is the church you pastor now, correct? Yes. I, yeah. I've often said, if you had told me that night that, that I would you were one day pastor, pastor the church, church I would have you probably would. never come back. Right. So during, I guess, during the time where you were kind of away from God um, or not, you know, actively pursuing, were you doing any type of prayer or just, you know, relationship with, with did you maintain some semblance or, because what I did was like, okay, God, I'm going to take a little journey now. Just don't forget about me. It, you know, I, there was this point where I, I was, knew internally that I was a gay woman or lesbian, whatever phrase you want to use, and that no amount of anything was going to change that. And so I've often said it was the most selfish decision I've ever made to be authentic with who I really was. And it was so much more than about, it was never about sex. You know, that's a whole different topic. It's about, you know, relationship and how I'm wired and how I connect with people and I had to make this decision that this was who I was and because for me I didn't feel like God would accept me it had been you know barraged in my head 
that I was basically an abomination. I made this choice of saying, God, I love you, but I'm going to walk away from you. Um, and, and I remember saying and crying and saying, please don't let go of my hand, please. But yet I can't say that I had relationship with God during those several years where I just kind of, what does the word say, you know, with, uh, without a, whatever you cast off restraint, what's the actual, without a vision, the people perish. I had no vision for how I could love God and love my wife. None at all. So I was like, you know, now if Susan was a drinker, which she's not, I might have turned into a raving alcoholic. But the fact that we didn't have alcohol in the house, that that saved me a lot. I was never mm-hmm. a drug person. I was a, a celibate person, you know, married to my wife. So I I didn't have all those little vices. The only vice I had was like smoking cigarettes and cussing a lot, you know. <laughs> but, so um so for me, I know I made a, a huge break with God. I didn't pick up my Bible, didn't pick up my guitar or anything. So for you during this time period, before you walked back in the All Saints, two questions. What was your day-to-day relationship like? And two, when you went back to the church, did you pick up right where you left off prior or uh, unpack that a little bit for us, like for our listeners, what does it look like to be somebody who loves God and then just go, okay, I'm done. I've moved across to here. I'm not going to church. I'm not doing anything. Well, uh, the uh, uh, second question first, uh, during that time away, I I was, I was like, I really kind of put it on the shelf. It's like, God, if I can't, be Christian, and if I can't not be gay, and I can't not be gay and Christian at the same time, I'm just going to put faith on the shelf for a while. I didn't set a period of time while, and you know, and, you know, I did not pray, I did not, I did not repent, I just did not think. I, uh, I, you know, I was coming off of five years of celibacy, so I had some time to make up. <laughs> I uh, will leave it at that, and we'll go back to that gay man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I fit the stereotype you, there. You, although you I did went not drink. stereotypical on us. That's enough said. Okay. Yeah. Then, uh, then uh, when I got to the church, the first year, probably two years, I just took time to get reacquainted with my faith, get to know the people, and uh, just taking it in. I wasn't ready to jump in, but I, at that point, I recognized that, you know, these people weren't all hung up on those four, six clobber verses and preaching against those. They were more than, uh, uh, Jesus loves me and gay is okay. That some affirming churches seem to be, uh, they weren't hung up on the clobber passages. They were really, you know, since they were a liturgical church, they followed the lectionary, so they would preach through the Gospels every year. Uh, yeah. One year it'd be Matthew, one year it'd be Luke, another year it'd be Mark and John. So, so we got a good script foundation in Scripture there, and you know we were reading through the various epistles and Old Testament letters or, or, or passages and that. So, so I got that in probably '97 or so. I started getting out of the out of the closet my uh, tapes of uh, like Kenneth Copeland, for example. Started listening to them, dug out my books, and started reading them again. Started getting reestablished to go beyond where I was at in the church 
back to back, basically recovering what I did when I went from the liturgical church in the 70s into the charismatic church. Right. And um, one of the people that I had met through HA was a fellow named Kurt. Yeah, I'd met him in, uh, at the HA conference in the 80s. And we kept casual contact. And he had moved to Phoenix. And he had also gone through the same situation I did, where he was, uh, where he was, you know, he was no longer not trying to be gay. He was, he was with another fellow, and uh, we connected. And so we talked, and he was told me about attending a gay spirit-filled church in Phoenix, Casa de Cristo. And he told me about this organization called Ten. Hmm. Okay. And so I decided to go out to the 10 conference, which was in February that year in Phoenix. Uh, part of it was I wanted to get away from the cold because Ohio is cold in the winter. Right. I know. I visited your house Yes, uh, <laughs> in the yes. winter. And part of it was I wanted to, I wanted to see spirit-filled gay Christians because it's like I, I, I couldn't quite – I mean, Wrap I knew I it. was, but I couldn't quite grasp it. Me too. And yeah. I went out to this conference, you know, and it was just like I was going to the 70s, 80s churches that I was going to, except it was gay men and lesbians leading worship and preaching. And that is actually at that February conference that I met Dale Jarrett. Okay. That, um, isn't it amazing? It's such a small world. Was that just total freedom for you? It was terrible. It was amazingly eye-opening. Now, Dale at that time was pastoring a church in Washington, D.C. Right. That was, uh, that was which for me, that's only uh, six hours away. And Dale and I had connected on AOL because that, that's where, that's that's where, where I had my time. email and yeah. we would chat on AOL. And so I made arrangements to go down. And they were worshiping on Saturdays at that point, okay. which was good because I could go down there for a Saturday and then be still be at my own church Sunday night. So I would leave Friday night. So I went down that uh, March, early March of, of uh, two, uh, 1999. I went down to his church and I met him and I met Brenda Johnson. Okay. And, uh, and I started going down there probably every three months or so I would go, you know, I'd make the trip, uh, go down Friday night, get a hotel room, uh, stay over, go to church service Sunday, Saturday morning, and then drive back to Ohio. And I would do that. And, uh, I attended some of their weekend conference because I wasn't in ministry at that time. So I could attend a weekend conference when they had it. Right. And, uh, I developed some good friendships in that church. Uh, they went through a structural change that they got involved in a organization called Star of Hope. Right. And Which Star is where of I Hope met was, you. Yeah, Star well, of Hope was kind of like a gay version of Christian International, for lack of right. a better term. Yeah, that's that's yeah, because in fact a lot of the people that were involved in Star of Hope had been through the trainings at Christian International. And so I met those, and it was a worded faith organization, and it was a prophetic organization. This is the first time in years I'd seen prophetic call-outs, and uh, I got involved in that, and that was how I met Randy Morgan also. Right. Yeah, we are all connected that way. So let's fast forward 
Um, so you started going to this. Was there a, was there any type of a watershed moment where you reconciled your faith? Not just, I mean, I, I've heard that, you know, you, we all have similar stories. It's the way we play them out that, that, makes our stories unique, but we we go through similar emotions. Was there a point where you actually, in your heart, in your spirit, not intellectually, but where you actually went, I know God loves me and I'm okay? That that actually would have probably happened probably 95, 96 or so. And it's simply because uh, I don't know that I I reconciled it theologically. That didn't come till later, but it was a matter of clearly these people love Jesus and they are completely satisfied with the idea that he loves them too, gay or straight, black or white, or, and, you know, and, and I decided, you know, that that was good enough for me. I think that brings. So, so, so I, so I come to that probably in the late seven, in the late nineties. And that was probably about the time when I started picking up my Bible and started going back to my own Christian roots was about, was after I come to that conclusion. And I think that that's important for our listeners too, because, you know, one of the things with these podcasts and, you know, not like I said earlier, maybe when we were just chatting before the show is not everybody I interview is going to identify as Christian, but for gay and lesbian people, you know, the whole GLBTQI community, there we we think sometimes we can look at the media and think, oh, all the information's out there. Everybody knows they're okay. Everybody knows it gets better. But we look at the suicide rate and everything, and we know that not everybody is getting that that message. And it's really up to us um, uh, in any way we can, as far as letting our light shine and everything to be that message. So one of the things through these podcasts, um, you know, we'll always have a list of resources and stuff in the show notes or uh, uh, for people, but that's part of it. I'm going on a rabbit trail, but you said something, you saw these people and that's so important for other, especially the GLBT youth. Uh, you know, they're knowing who they are younger and younger. They're knowing that they don't fit in their body younger and younger. Um, to know that that they really are okay. Um, whether they have a faith tradition or not, there's this internal, I believe, this internal piece of us that has to be at peace with where we are of who we are and knowing that uh, mm-hmm. we are we are perfect, we are beautiful um, inside and that we're not broken. Um, and so uh, for you as a Christian man, as a gay man, you going to, this is what I'm hearing, you know, which is the same, partly the same experience I had. The theological came much later before the heart realization that I was okay was I met you and Randy and all these other people and Dale and you start hanging out with people who are comfortable in their skin. They're comfortable. Mm -hmm. They, they, they love God. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is a thing who you hang around is who you become, you know, if you want to know, uh, you know, just look at your circle of people. If you hang around a bunch of angry people and unless God put you in there to be the little unicorn light bulb for the most part, you're going to, you know, it's going to mm-hmm. rub off. And so I just wanted to interject that. I think it's so important 
we don't have to be like, um, I'm not a Kathy Baldock, uh, you know, who's, who's such a big um, affirming presence for the gay community as a straight woman. And that's her mission. Uh, it doesn't have to be my mission to um, go out and say it gets better to everybody, but I do have a responsibility to, to um, be a healthy influence around yes. people and not um so that's one of the things i really want to get through on this podcast is that people listen and people that are closeted because we're going to have closeted people listen to mm -hmm. this or people that have totally given up maybe either on a relationship with god or just still in that self-loathing that it's so in, it's so important to um heal from from that point of knowing that you were created perfect and that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So what what do you before we uh, kind of wrap up uh, this part of it? What do you want to say, just as a man, as a gay man, as somebody who knew they were gay from a young age? What do you want? Two questions before we go into our kind of lighthearted part. What do you want other GLBTQI people? To know and I forgot what my other question was so let's start there what do you want what do you want people to to know I want them to know that uh, they can have a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ no matter who they are and no matter who they love I got back into the teaching ministry which I, I although I'm a pastor I largely function as a teacher my sermons are teaching and not just uh, they, they, they're encouraging. And part of that's because I, I, when I was listening to Kenneth Copeland and, you know, them, I would occasionally hit the uh, problems with their message, you know, uh, like, you know, at Believers Convention, Kenneth Copeland would uh, make some smack comment about gays or Gloria Copeland, a healing school. Every week time I went to healing school, when she started praying for people, she would throw homosexuality oh, and lesbianism out as if Let's it's it something yeah. to be healed just like cancer. And then yeah. I was at a Joyce Meyer meeting in 2004. This is in the lead up where they were uh, trotting out the gay marriage issue to try right. to round up people to vote for a president that was, wasn't real enthusiastic. So they were drumming up all the anti-gay marriage amendments in 2004. And I was sitting there in a Joyce Meyer meeting. Not only did she bring an ex-gay person on <laughs> At the beginning, before they actually started the service yeah. uh, to testify, I'm like, okay, been there, done that. I know it doesn't work, and she's going to figure that out someday herself. Right. But then she also made a slap at gays in her actual message. It was a good message. It's a message that I would have bought the DVD for and shared with people if not for that. Right. So I, I really got involved in my teaching ministry at that point, and I didn't plan to be a pastor. I planned to be a teacher. And just combination of circumstances that all saying pushed me into the pastor thing. And that's actually kind of comes along where I met Shane. And that's, oh, that's yeah. another whole big story. He wanted to come down for my ordination. Uh, he, weather didn't allow for him to come out. We'd met on uh, social network and he yeah. came down we met, uh, we met a couple more times. And then I kind of put it on the shelf because I didn't think I wanted to be in a relationship. And I'm like, do I really want to be in a relationship with someone that's 10 hours away? Right. And, you know, which I've always shied away from long-term relationships. I'd had enough unpleasant relationships or failed relationships that I didn't think anyone was going to come of it. Yeah. Well, we went to Immersed in 2000. 
2012, and he had gone to Immersed also, and we got reconnected there in person, and a month later, we started dating, and uh, three years later from when we started dating, we got married. Amen. So yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's so, where I met so, so he, my faith life is what brought me my husband. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's the thing is that it, life has a way of working out if we start, there's a, there's a meme that I've seen before and it's not about, I'm going to paraphrase, it's not about getting all freaked out in the middle of the struggle. We could even talk about that now with, you know, COVID, but it's about what you're learning through it because we're all going to go through stuff. But I think it's for this podcast, for the series on this podcast is so important that for anybody listening or anybody that has friends or family that are GLBT or, or whatever that, that they know that they're, that they're okay. Um, as far as, as far as that goes. And so I think it helps hearing other people's stories. Now you just, I was about to go into my three questions. So a staple of the authentic dev podcast, no matter how serious or funny the conversation is, is I always ask three off the wall questions. Um, and then, uh, you get to ask me a question and then we'll make sure at the, that the end that you tell everybody a little bit about whatever projects you have going on and we'll get all that in the show notes so that if people want to contact you, they can. Um, so you just, uh, you just answered me about Shane. So I got to throw that one out. So okay. let's ask this one. Um, what did you want to be growing up? Like what was your childhood and you know, mine shifted, but I have a couple. What did you want to be? I wasn't really settled on any one thing. I got into the computer field, which is my day job, because uh, I took an, I was in engineering, and I had to take a computer class, and the engineering wasn't doing it for me, but the computer class was. And I worked in higher ed IT full-time for 32 years, and I'm doing part-time work as a consultant now. But okay. uh, I did not plan at all on being a computer person Back that back in that day. Did you want to be like a fireman or nothing? No, you just, fireman you had didn't no do thoughts? it for me. I had really strong grades and that, and but I just didn't really know what I wanted to be. Okay. Um, my parents pushed me towards engineering, and uh, I'm talking and, like five and, or six and, and, years and, old. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. That that now that that was <laughs> like 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 what am I going to do now that I'm coming out of uh, out of high school? And oh, okay. I had some aptitude for engineering. And so kind of like that just kind of became the default choice. Okay. But it was the computer classes in engineering that pushed me to the computer field. Okay. I was, I, was, I was going more like, you know, when you were five years old, did you want to be an astronaut? But okay. We'll no, get I don't there. remember <laughs> any. I don't remember anything were, like that. Were you I don't a serious remember child? what I wanted to be. Were you a serious child? Uh, at times, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just... I just don't remember okay. what I wanted to be back then. You know, I'm 61 now. I'll let you and, off the hook. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, for Okay. So let's tell us um, something funny about yourself. What What's something bizarre or funny about yourself? Well, as serious as I am when I'm teaching, I have a quick wit I had to tame it because uh, it could easily be a biting wit. Yeah, but, me too. Um, but that quick wit sometimes leads to spontaneous humor in my messages because I'll I'll preach from an outline, 
but I'll be preaching along and then and then something will just hit me and then I'll put it out there and all of a sudden there's laughter and you know I, I expected the laughter but I just did it's like that wasn't in my notes but that worked right. out well That's so 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 that that quick wit sometimes sneaks out in my messages and people that are looking for me to be totally serious they'll find I'm not okay that's good so let's see let's bring Shane back into it what what do I want to ask let's see I'm thinking about the newlywed game you remember the old newlywed game yes yes okay so I'll have to ask Shane later so I'll play a, a, a virtual newlywed game for you for a moment Let's see what which if I asked Shane what your favorite outside of the house thing to do is besides go to church, what would he say? Probably eating out. Okay, eating out. I'm not an outdoorsy person like he is. <laughs> yeah, we he are is. very, very different, and he loves the outdoors. I do it grudgingly. Uh, road trips I enjoy, you know, okay. tra- you know take, taking a road trip. So would he you say know, road, would say trip either or road trips or eating out? But I don't know which one he'd pick. Probably road trips he'd pick. Road trips. Okay. So I'm going to ask him that next time I see him. And just I think so, he would be an interesting interviewee for because yeah. his background is so different from if mine. If he wants to, yeah. I mean, I've kind of got an open call for anybody. Okay. So um, go ahead. What do you want to ask Authentic Deb? Anything is on the table. Okay. I will answer honestly. If maybe. you had to give up either bacon or coffee, which would it be? Shoot, Doug. You are so wrong for asking me that. Let's see. <laughs> I know you. That's what. That's why I asked that question. I'm gonna. Oh my gosh, that is so wrong. Oh, I gotta think, listeners. Anybody who knows me knows I love bacon and coffee. This is terrible, terrible, terrible. I think I'm probably gonna need therapy after this, but I'm gonna have to give up the bacon. Okay. Did I surprise you? I wasn't sure. I figured the bacon because I figured it would be bacon simply because the coffee gets you started before you can enjoy the bacon. Well, and I can have coffee all throughout the day without having to go and cook it and yes. clean up after it. So I was being practical. <laughs> but, uh, well, Doug, I really enjoyed this conversation. Let us know a little bit what kind of, uh, before we end here, any little projects or anything you want to add that you got going on, um, how people can get in touch with you or your ministry. Okay, well, uh, I'm, as, as I said, pastoring All Saints Community Church. The church is in Cortland, although I live in Youngstown. I'm involved with uh, the Covenant Network based out of Atlanta. I'm getting ready to launch my own podcast. I had a podcast for years that was rebroadcast of my Sunday sermons, but I'm getting ready to launch something different that's going to be a, a solo, short form, uh, you know, very, you know, five, 10, 15 minute episodes. I'm getting ready. And that is going to be called Beyond Six Verses, Beyond S I X Verses. And it's because so many of the affirming people get hung up in trying to battle those six verses, right? Uh, the clobber passages, and they get hung up. Or, like I said, you know, so many of them are uh, Jesus loves me and gay is okay. And so I, I want you know, I want to go beyond those six verses into the Bible topics uh, and talks that are for all people. 
you're not going to come to my podcast and hear a slap at gaze in it. You're going to, you're going to hear something encouraging. You're going to hear something biblical. So awesome. that's what my project is. I'm actually getting ready to launch that this week, probably. I really um, enjoyed this. It was good to see your face again. Good to uh, see you too. I know it's been way too long. I was going to see you this July, but uh, COVID has kind of changed all that. So I just really thank you for being on the podcast and we will talk soon. Great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Authentic Deb Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and connect with me at AuthenticDeb.com. There you can book a session with me and request to be a guest on the show. So until next time, this is Authentic Deb signing out. And remember, be you because being you is enough.